Take a look. It's in a book. It's Noah's rainbow. See what I did there? I made it all Jesus-y. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's pastor share their messy attempt at raising a Christ-centered family. We may not know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen, here with my husband, Joel. And today we are talking about literacy and books and why that matters at all to your spiritual life. But before we get into our topic, let's do the family check-in. Well, that was a quick move to the check-in. Sorry. (laughs) Were you not ready? Did you not know that's what we were doing next? (laughs) It's the family check-in. Check-in with your family. We think it's a good idea to check in with your family once a week. This is our check-in. You should check in with your family. See how they're doing. I wonder if the people who listen to this podcast hate that part of this no, podcast as well. I actually have talked to some people who say, oh, I use your reminder to remember to go check in with my family once a week. And I check in with them and I say, hey, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Oh, I'm tired. just are going right into it. Go on. You asked me how I was doing. How are you doing? I'm tired. I asked nothing of the sort. I had go kind on. of a hard week at work, but it's over. The weekend was good. We had a great day today. We got a ton done. <laughs> Our kids are ridiculous, but they're fun. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. This is Saturday number three in a row where I have felt not blue. We converted a thrift store bookcase into a dollhouse where we're making all of the accessories ourselves and figuring out all the carpet and flooring. And Dane saw in a book, which, ooh, how very uh, apropos. Um, he saw in a book about a little girl who made all of her, her own dollhouse and all of the own pe- her own pieces to it. And he's like, oh, I want to do that. So we did like half of that today. We put up a giant corkboard wall because Dane has been taping all of his art pieces directly to his painted wall and it's driving me crazy. So now there's a place for him to actually put up his art. And, and now he has access to a box of sharp pens. We've, well, no, it's up high. I have to do that part. Um, we folded and put away the laundry. We cleaned up all of our projects. It was just like a big day. It was a big day. (laughs) I'm just very excited that we got it all done. Also a good week. I don't know. The week was great. Good. One of the reasons this week was so great was because I did a lot of reading and a lot of reading is a byproduct of putting down my cell phone and me deciding that that's how I want to spend my extra time. Um, And then I'm like, wow, reading is awesome. I should do this all the time. (laughs) You might say it's fundamental. Um, And it kind of, it made, gave me the idea for this episode um, about literacy and your spiritual life. Um, Your spiritual literacy. And literacy and like a love of stories and like love of the written word is absolutely not necessary to discipleship. And I think that's important to say because there is a significant portion of the Christian world that is like illiterate that has, that learns through oral tradition, through memorization, through song scripture and about God. And like, there's so much more um, to Christianity than being able to read and the things that are available through reading. But the higher your literacy skills, the more doors of discipleship are open to you. Um, And that is why we have decided that this is a topic worth covering it is not a prerequisite for a Christian life, but it is 
developing those skills and using them will help you have a deeper Christian life. And I mean, one of the reasons is God communicates in a few different ways, a lot of different ways, probably an infinite number of different ways, but I'm going to only list the ones that I could think of when I made the outline for this podcast. The three you could think of? No, the, the Spirit through people in our lives and other external circumstances in our lives. The Spirit internally, that's that kind of still small voice stirring within you. Um, and the Spirit through the Word of God, the, the Bible, the book itself is living and active and His voice um, is illuminated through the Spirit when you read God's Word. Now you can encounter God's word through oral tradition or memorization, or like I said, music or now YouTube. Um, but the reality is that reading the Bible is, it's a great thing to have in your tool belt. If, I mean, it's just, and if you can, if you can do it because it, it just opens up a lot. It is a hard read. Oh, it's it so can hard. be a hard read. I still um, think it's hard. It, aside from being a translation of a translation, it was written. 2,000 years, well, 1,500 The language years is ago. extremely archaic. The yes. references make no sense. Yeah, the colloquialisms are weird and strange and different than what we're used to. Um, and so it can be hard, but it's worth building that up and making that skill something you have. It, it, and this is like, this is where like loving Harry Potter and um, Jane Austen and whatever else you read is can advance your spiritual life because all of these skills, I mean, there's not a lot of archaic language in Harry Potter. There's some weird British words, um, but all, but not in the American versions, but all of the skills of like being able to figure out what things mean out of context, being able to sift through language you don't know in vocabulary you don't know and figure out what's actually going on. Um, just being able to follow a different style of prose, like all of those skills that you develop through literature um, can be brought into your life of reading the word of God. It makes it makes reading it and understanding it easier and making it easier makes it more beneficial and enjoyable and peaceful. Um, I think if you're trying to overcome a lack of literacy skills when you're reading the Bible, it's just putting one more hurdle in your way. And there's a lot of ways to come to, we keep saying literacy, but to, to, to work that muscle and to get to that point where you're comfortable with it. I grew up in a house where the walls were mostly made of books. It, and I mean that very literally. There were, we had a hallway that was probably 20, 20 to 30 feet long. That's 20. Because it turns. Um, yeah. If and then a normal eight foot high. And literally, if it wasn't a door, it was a book. It, it was just stacked on I top of I feel like you need to explain it. It was, I think, six shelves high of white painted boards held up by cinder blocks the entire yeah, way down the hallway. Shelves. Just um, covered in books from the from the floor to the ceiling mm -hmm. of an eight foot ceiling. And we always we had to go to bed, but if we were reading, we could stay awake as long as we wanted. And we had, you know, we had our our allowance to buy toys and stuff, or music, or whatever, you know, go to movies with friends. But if we wanted a book, my parents were always that was we that was it. There was no limit there. You could if you needed a book, they'd buy you a book. Um, and it was just. Kind of always. And the Bible was part of that. You know, you'd read the the things that you read on Sundays. You'd read through it. We did the Bible in a year once. Those kind of things. It was just part of that group of things I read. The first time I moved, um, where we moved from one place to another, my sister helped us move. And the like thing that she 
could not understand. And I mean, it was a really hard move. And it was like we had to do it right after passing or right after taking the bar. We moved like one day later and had to be out of our apartment. And she was like, why do you have so many bookcases? But if she had, I mean, you grew up in a house where the the house was one giant bookcase. And the idea that you wouldn't have a lot of like book storage, even in your law school apartment was just insane to you. And you built a similar thing in our hallway, but it's a little less. But we have books. All, we have digital books now. And we have books and all over the house, too. Books, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do not want to make it sound like we were like deprived of books. In fact, I wasn't. I started out in kindergarten as a, a well above average reader. I hit first, second, around third grade. My like my like standardized testing reading comprehension scores, they weren't bad, but they started to like lag behind my math and like, vo- you know, vocab and whatever. It was reading comprehension that always that started to just dip a little bit. And I remember when I it was probably fourth grade. We were reading the mixed up files of Miss Be- Basil E. Frankweiler. <laughs> and I literally was like. I can't keep up. And I remember reading Dragon Wings too, which I actually picked up at the thrift store the other day and like had PTSD from picking it up. Cause I remember being like, this was the book that I looked at and realized that everyone else could read it and understand what was going on. And I could not keep up with my class. And so right around fourth grade, I completely stopped reading books. My fifth grade teacher actually was the only one that picked up on it. He made a really big deal. I remember crying with him and he would sit down with me and be like, you have to read it. You, I mean, like in a very encouraging, good way where he saw that I was really struggling. And then after that, nobody ever noticed. I did not read a single one of the books except for Catcher in the Rye in, that would have been 11, in my junior year. I listened to the classroom discussions. I read the pink monkey notes on the internet and I barely got through the reading quizzes. I always got to be in English because I could analyze things well. And I was a very good listener in class but I could not read books. And when they would say like, you know, read a chapter a night, that was so overwhelming to me that I would read a whole chapter out of, oh, what is the stupid book? Great Expectations. Oh, my freshman year, the well, first book, problem right there. my first book was Great Expectations. And I was like, I can't, there's no way I can't do this. I didn't read anything. I can tell you, I just read me my Antonia in the last couple of weeks because that was supposed to be, I just didn't read. I hit 19 and somebody was like, read Harry Potter. And I picked it up and I read the first book in like a day which just boosted my confidence. And then I picked up Chamber of Secrets and read it in a day. And by a week I was caught up and then I read it again. I read it again and I said the series again and again and again and again. I still didn't read any other books. I still really wasn't reading my assignments in college. I like picked up Jane Austen because J.K. Rowling in an interview had said, I like Jane Austen. And it took me about 150 pages of reading into it and getting used to the language and like working, exercising my brain to be like, I can read this book. And then I picked up everything I could between basically my junior year of college and uh, right before we had kids and read as many different literature books as I could. I tried to make up for lost time Um, and I learned the skill of reading, but it was not something that came easy to me. I did not. It is not always the the wall of books. Um, We are both huge readers now, but I didn't get here by being a. Um, by having a wall of books in my house. Which is a really good segue into how do you build that skill if you don't have it and how do you flex that muscle if you already do? 
Well, I would say if you're one of those people that really, really struggles with reading and just considers himself a non-reader, to start fluffy and easy, because as much as it sounds like ridiculous for a 34-year-old woman to need to build my confidence in reading, reading fluffy books and being like, no, 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 I am a reader. And like having that be part of my identity, um, whether it's Harry Potter or, you know, the Hunger Games or romance novels or whatever it is that like gets me reading in general and makes me go, no, no, I can read long books and know what's Mm -hmm. going on. It's just, I really needed it for confidence. I just didn't have it. And if you're one of those people that just doesn't consider yourself a reader, maybe it's time to consider whether it's just a confidence issue. Well, not just confidence, but kind of working that, that muscle, getting used to sitting and, and reading words and the flow of pages and those kind of things that you just get more comfortable with. And then that stuff becomes unconscious and then you can focus on the harder stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that just identifying as somebody who reads, there is definitely among my friends, people who are like, I am a reader and I am not a reader. And I think whatever you say about yourself, whatever your narrative narrative is about yourself, um, makes a big difference of how much you read, whether you have the intention to read or not. The second thing, and this is for the more goal-oriented go-getters. Yeah, which, so this is all you. <laughs> I'll I just, mean, I'll sit back and We've talk. talked about setting uh, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Like if you, um, that was sort of my thing. Once I got over the hump with uh, Pride and Prejudice, um, I was like, I'm going to read everything. And I picked scary books. Um, one, I did, I did not get through Hunchback of Notre Dame. I did really want to read it, but I got 150 pages and I was like, no, <laughs> um, you don't and have to. And there wasn't a dancing goat or I'm singing sorry. gargoyles it was, and so you moved on? It was, that was hard. Um, I also, Madame, uh, Madame Bovary, oh, I finished it, but man, that was a rough one. Um, but sometimes getting through those rough books um, that I'm not even enjoying make me at the end be like, but you got through it and now you can say you read it. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if somebody's like, I love this book, I can legitimately be like, I hated it and I read the whole thing. <laughs> but Setting yourself some goal books um, and obviously uh, doing the Bible or being like, I'm going to read through Mark in April, or I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. I'm going to read the New Testament this summer or something like that. Those big goals um, and and holding yourself accountable if you're the go-getter type is a good way Mm -hmm. of overcoming your kind of aversion to reading. Or find an excuse to jump in. New Year's resolutions are silly, but they're good because people need... Sometimes you need an excuse to start something. Lent is coming up. Lent is a great time to start reading a devotional, reading your Bible to say, hey, yeah, I don't read, I don't read, I don't read. But you know what? For Lent, I'm going to do this. Lent has been, um, because we, as a child, I always considered Lent to be a, a fasting, you know, you give something up because that's what you hear from the Catholics and that's what they do. Um, and when I learned that, the idea was a focus on God. And for me, it's been a, a big spiritual discipline thing. Um, it has been for my study and my reading. It's always been a huge leap forward for me. So having Lent um, is a great thing. It's a because it's spiritually rooted. Um, so it's not just like a New Year's resolution. Um, another thing that would that for accountability sake, if you read through something with another person, whether it's your spouse or your friend or your book club, I was a member of a book club for a while and I had to finish the book 
It was like my best friend was running, running the book club. So I had to finish the book because I wanted to support her book club. Um, and they were good books and I enjoyed them. In fact, I have some of them on my list later, but um, just the idea that somebody is counting on you to do your work and finish the book um, is another way to be held accountable and to actually get yourself reading. You could also just pick up a commentary. There's lots of different types and different ones and different ways to learn. And some of them have pictures and charts and some of them are just a lot of words and some of them are short and some of them are long. I've only recently been able to get away from biblical commentaries at all because one of the first things when you're reading the Bible is you read like, it'll be like, read this, this chapter or whatever. And you're like, okay. And then you read it. And you're like, well, I literally have no idea what happened. Um, having a commentary to, to guide you through it makes you feel like you're getting a little bit more bang for your buck. Like if I'm going to spend 30 minutes reading something, I would rather get through a quarter of it and have and know what's going on than read the whole thing and be at the end and be like, ah. um, so I, I love commentaries. Also, you know, let someone else do the work for you, but yeah, yeah sure. It helped. It's a good way to jump in. It's a good thing that will help you start that process of analyzing it yourself. Another thing you can do if you're um, not a particularly confident reader or if your spouse is not a particularly confident reader is um, reading to them, um, whether you're reading them from the Bible or you're reading them a great book um, or I guess any book, but a spiritual book, um, it might make them have something accessible to them that otherwise wouldn't be. Um, You're reading it also. It's connecting. And um, I mean, there's always audiobooks too. Audiobooks are great when you are doing the dishes, when you are cutting onions, when you are driving around in the car. I'm always cutting onions. It's like the only vegetable that we actually like. So that's what it ends up being. You will be surprised how much you can uh, ingest. Is that the right? <laughs> when I'm just thinking about onions. <laughs> You'll be surprised how much you can absorb, absorb learn. while you're doing other things. You can also, going back to picking up a an easy, enjoyable book. There's easy, enjoyable spiritual books. There's Bob Goff's and things like that that are not fluffy, but lighter. And there's so much substance to Bob Goff, but it's such an easy read. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's good books out there that are fun to read and easy to read and are spiritually led, if not deep dives into, you know... The Old Testament. The old, Yeah, what... <laughs> What were Noah's shoes made out of and why is that important? You know, those kind of things are good, but also just if you need a break, but you want to maintain the habit of staying in the spirit and reading, find something easy. Yeah, Kathleen has recommendations coming up. Now, your literacy and your ability to read and comprehend the Bible is very important, um, but this is a family podcast. Um, so we wanted to talk about kid literacy as well, um, which we are, of course, experts are because we have one five-year-old that just learned to read. Um, <laughs> but we're talking about what we're doing, what our parents have done, and um, and also I'm just spouting out um, information I just learned from this incredible book I just read. So um, your attitude towards books will likely be your kid's attitude towards books, just Good. as... That's the lesson of everything, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, look, what you do is what your kids are going to do. So get on board with that. But it's but it's not just I think this one is more than do. I think this one is, you know, yes, modeling is important. Yes, your kids seeing you reading is important, but they will also 
pick up on what your attitude towards is towards reading and they will and they will adopt it. I just think that's generally true. Um, and so the same thing is true of, of the Bible. Your attitude towards the Bible will be your kid's attitude. If you have a casual attitude towards the Bible, it's nice that it's there. We have one in our house. Um, I know some verses, um, but it's not like the life breath of, of everything that I do. Um, then that is what your kids will pick up on. And if you want your kids to live the obedient life of um, listening to God and looking for God through his word on a daily basis, then you got to you gotta have that attitude as well. In order to work on increasing literacy for your kids, I just got to say, I have been like pretty much every one of our listeners has already heard me spout off about um, The Enchanted Hour by Megan Cox Gordon. Um, it's a book about really about reading aloud to your children um, and the skills that they'll gain and the connection. It's just like everything in addition to their literacy skills, their vocabulary skills, their ability to put things into context and to stretch themselves intellectually and to put big stories together and all of those things that it does to your brain. It lights up your brain in ways that nothing mm -hmm. else can, but it also is a, a point of connection. When you read to your child, there's almost nothing more connecting. There's no it's something you share. You share the characters, you share the story, you share physical touch. Um, you have a conversation with them. If it's a kid with a picture book, you're pointing out different things and they're sharing with you. It's this incredible experience. And if you want to know why it's an incredible experience, I highly recommend reading The Enchanted Hour. Um, and um, it's just a warm, fuzzy, and great book. Great, you can take it back to finding an easy spiritual book to read. Hey, what's easier than a kid's book? But skip the like the books that have the four like hey, it's got the garden, it's got Noah, it's got yes, Eastern. I totally agree with skip that. Skip that book. We have a great series that is like from the seventies. Yep. The art's really weird, but it's like fifty books. Each one is only like five pages long, but it's all these weird stories from the Bible. That they're you, not not weird. They're not. They're not five pages long. Ones you don't usually. They take get. about four or five minutes to read. And I will say, I know so many more stories from the Bible, yeah. like Nebuchadnezzar getting turned into the beast. And uh, I did not know about Elijah and um, Baal, 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 um, and him burning the altar until I read it in an arch book. Yeah, arch books. That's <laughs> it. And it just, you can find some good ones out there that are a little more complicated, a little more interesting for older kids or a little more complicated for younger kids that you can enjoy too. And then you can read along with them. Um, one of the things too, is if your kid is a wriggler and a wiggler, we have recently realized that Dane in particular will listen to a full length novel read to him while he is doing something else. Um, so he could be doing Legos or creating art, coloring, um, just doing some, one of those kind of, passive non-language activities and you could sit down with him for three hours and read him an entire children's book like a like like Matilda or James and the Giant Peach is what we've just been re reading through and he will listen um but he can't well he will sit still with us sometimes um but don't be discouraged by a kid walking around the room doing other things I there have been times when I have followed Dane around the house with a novel <laughs> as he goes and does stuff and while we're like walking past a doorway he'll turn back and he'll be like but but what and he'll ask a question about the book and um so like listen to a podcast when when we're little kids when we see little kids wriggling and moving and doing different things when we're trying to read to them 
it's like you just want to be like, never mind, you're not even listening. Why am I going through this? And it's like, well, just enjoy the book yourself then yeah. and read it out loud. No, they and, can't. They can't stop moving. They have too much energy. Well, not some kids can, and Dane can, but 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 Levi. Levi doesn't even stay in the room, but then he comes back in and he'll ask a like question about the book that like makes sense. And I'm like, okay, well, you're listening to, you're getting the language, you're getting the vocabulary, you're doing all that stuff. Don't be, don't be discouraged by the, the, the wigglers. So reading Matilda and James and the Giant Peach and whatever, Harry Potter to your kids can be very difficult, but then reading the Bible to them, like, the actual Bible, um, that just feels daunting. I mean, it's a good thing to do with your like infant, infant. Yeah, I, read, I told. I read yeah. Dane the Bible some when he was really, really young, and I read Levi. It was an excuse to read it. I read Levi a ton of it um, when he was a baby because I was doing Bible in a year, so I read it out loud to him. But like once they can move, it feels like this weird, pious, creepy thing that you're doing, um, and so. I don't necessarily recommend sitting down and reading like passages from the Bible to like three, four, depending on your five or six-year-old. Our five-year-old can listen to a very short story read directly from the Bible, maybe. Um, But we talked about earlier, reading the Bible stories to your kids and instilling in them a love of the stories um, will make the whole book feel like a more familiar happy thing as they grow older. Um, I can even see it with my ministry kids as they get, as if they get into a sermon when they're 12 or 13 and then look at me and they're like, I remember this story. It's like, I have a frame of reference for this. I'm already, I already know this, this stuff and I can listen to what's happening because I'm not worried about how overwhelming the Bible is itself. And I think developing a love of the, the book itself and the stories that are contained within it is an important first step. Um, and there's lots of Bible story books that you can read. The other way you can get your kids engaging in scripture really young is by starting an age appropriate devotional. We have learned that not all devotionals are created equal, which is no big mystery. But for our kids in particular, the most successful devotionals have been short stories about kids facing some sort of topical dilemma or issue school special books yeah and then it's like it'll be on humility or it'll be on a power or it'll be on kindness and then you read through them and you ask them the questions and they kind of have to go back to the story and and Mm -hmm. and think through it and those have been more successful than the ones that try to abstractly talk to three and five-year-olds about god it's like well that's not helpful because they don't think abstractly um so those kind of concrete Stories where they can put themselves into the story have been the most successful in terms of devotionals for us. Another important thing, um, in, in addition to reading the Bible or Bible stories and doing a devotional with your kids is modeling reading your Bible in front of your kids. When I wake up in the morning at six, I go and make my coffee and I do my, write out my scripture and then I study at, you know, I'm just doing a study of Acts right now. and. Levi absolutely thinks that that is the most normal because he's the one that's awake. Dane sleeps through it. But (laughs) Levi wakes up. He comes and sits on the couch. He knows that he's that it's my time to read my Bible and that that time is for God and that that is set aside. A couple of weeks ago, I was I was sitting at my desk and he had a full diaper in the morning and he like I heard him like in the back, like kind of getting fussy with Joel. I was like, what is he doing back there? And uh, Joel was 
couldn't help him in the moment. And um, he had gone all the way, even though he was with me, he had gone all the way to the back of the house to ask Joel to change his diaper because he knew <laughs> that I couldn't leave my desk. And I was like, oh, dude, I will change your diaper if you want me to change your diaper. But he like knew that that was my special time and that he wasn't allowed to interrupt it. I don't it. think I realized that you were still, I thought you had left the house or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was a, it was a moment. Overall, I think it's elitist and wrong to say that the word of God has to be experienced through reading. I don't believe that that's true, but it it is true that the more opportunities and the more you have more opportunities and more open doors um, to experience the power of the word of God. Um, and any way you can open those doors for you or your kids or your family is a gift to the whole group. Amen. I have book recommendations. Um, so I set out to our listeners some of their favorite books um, that were Christian books. And particularly if they were light reading, and I mean, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe came back. That is the first novel we read to Dane. That's what I was going to say. I was like, do I get to make a recommendation? Because I you were will like say the fourth person to make that anything recommendation. by C.S. Lewis, but Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, what did I try the to Great read? Divorce on grief. I tried to read one of them that was like a sermon that he gave, not like a fictional book. And I really struggled with it. Fair enough. Um, but Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was the first one um, that came up over and over again. Um, that I think is a great read. That is a great read if you are an adult that wants to read something good um, that is Christian based, um, but is like great literature, that is a story, that is fun. Um, I would I would start there. Um, in terms of some non-fiction-y, you know, God books, um, A Case for Faith by Lee Strobel was recommended. Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller was recommended. Um, when God Doesn't Answer Your Prayer by Gerald Sitter. Faithful Woman and Their Extraordinary God by Noel Noel or Noel Piper. Um, A Praying Life by Paul Miller, which I totally, uh, we've talked about that book before. I love that book as well. Um, Cultivate Your Life by Laura Casey was one of my favorite. Um, Abba's Child was a little bit heavier by Brendan Manning. I will say A Praying Life gets a little bit heavier and not so easy to read in the middle. Um, but the first 70, 80 pages... And the last 40 or 50 are, are pretty light in addition to being like just life altering. Um, I love in terms of commentary, Paul for Everyone by N.T. Wright. Um, I read the Romans one and I, it was not for everyone. I thought it was a little bit hard to read, but it was, I understand Romans a lot better now. Um, I loved Everybody Always by Bob Goff. He also has Love Does and Love Does for Kids. We have some kids recommendations. I've got... I could give kids recommendations for days. Um, if you want those, private message me. Um, but I love Good Good Father by Chris Tomlin, which is when we just picked up at Goodwill and have just started reading. Uh, you Are Special by Max. I don't even know. Is it Lex Lucado or Lucado? Um, doesn't really matter. I only read his name. I've never heard anyone say it. Um, P.K. Hall Halliman um, does I Know Jesus Loves Me and I Love You God. And those are both very good for very mm -hmm. littles. Um, and like we said, the arch books, um, if you can, I mean, I don't even know how to tell you to find them. The new ones are not as good as the old ones. The old ones are fantastic and rhyming and the art is like printed and beautiful. Um, not beautiful, but just cool looking. Um, but those are all recommendations that we have. Um, if anybody else wants to add recommendations, go find our Instagram post, um, asking for them and you can add to the list. Comment on it. Yeah, do, do comment on it. Share, like, comment. 
All right. Let's get to my favorite part of every episode. So that came up. Dane has recently kind of taken a, a turn into wanting to dabble in Barbies. And so he got a Barbie set for Christmas and he got another Barbie set um, a little bit after Christmas. And it included a like, there was a swimming pool on like super clearance. Um, so the swimming pool was like $5.38. So we got the swimming pool and we got the Barbie with the swimsuit on. But his original Barbie did not have a swimsuit on. And so his first story was, he's like, mom, we'll just say that she couldn't afford to buy a swimsuit. And so she can't <laughs> get in the pool. And I was like, okay, wow. I must talk about that way too much. Um, but then the next morning, it's like right before I'm about to leave for church. And it's like 630 in the morning. And Dane's like playing with his Barbies out on the coffee table. And he's like, mom, I just thought of something. If Barbie does backstroke, it means her booty will be in the water. And then it won't even matter that she's not wearing a swimsuit because <laughs> her booty will be covered up. And I'm thinking to myself, when is the appropriate time to tell a five-year-old that the front of a woman naked is also a little bit problematic? And I thought, not at 6.30 in the morning when I'm on my way to work. And I said, good idea, bud, and walked out the door. <laughs> Sometimes parenting is about picking your battles. Oh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Why don't you pray us out? Dear God, send us your word. Send it through our hearts. Send it through our loved ones. Send it through your messengers. And send it through your word. And help us find ways to read your word, to become stronger with your word, and to know your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at gmail.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.